This week, as we were recording those with the worship team, I said, congratulations, we've made our very first music videos. Yes, we finally hit the big time. I must be dreaming. I must be dreaming. You know, in response to news or a situation in your life, I'm sure at some point you've said, I must be dreaming. Uh, You know, some are feeling this today. They're saying, you know, our last large group gathering was Sunday, March 15th which, friends, was 83 days ago. 83 days ago. We've spent 11 Sundays physically scattered and virtually gathered. So as of today, June 7th, for the first time in 83 days, we've gathered here in the building for a larger or a larger group. According to our records, our gathering on March 15th, which you might remember was just as this pandemic was starting to, uh, was starting to take uh, root as far as people... Things being canceled and things being changed. Um, We had 61 people gathered here that Sunday morning for worship. And today in this room, we have unquestionably less than 50. I haven't looked and I don't know how many are downstairs with us. Yet after our exile and our regathering today, even partial and incomplete, for some it has a I must be dreaming quality. For some a positive I must be dreaming and for some, wow, we're all wearing masks. I must be dreaming. This is so strange. You know, there are many times, there are many times in the history of God's people, God's people Israel, that they had those I-must-be-dreaming experiences. For example, if you think 83 days in exile is bad, in the 6th century B.C., God's people had been captured and they'd been exiled to Babylon, and they were only allowed to return after 70 years of exile. And after that exile, their regathering, even as partial and incomplete as it was, it inspired from them a... I must be dreaming response. It was a response of regathering joy. And in response to that regathering joy, Psalm 126, the psalm of celebration, was composed. Uh, A psalm that talks about that I must be dreaming response, a response of gathering joy. And friends, how does this ancient song of celebration speak to us in our regathering today? Uh, How does it awaken in us an even greater anticipation of regathering and what's yet to come. And asking that, let's begin with a word of prayer. Well, God, joy is one emotion I know that some are feeling today. I know there's a lot of other emotions. I know I'm feeling a lot of them. I pray that as we open your word, that you'd speak to us. I pray that you'd meet us. I pray that you'd minister to us in our need. God, that you would lead and guide this church into the future. And that you would glorify yourself in and through our lives now and forevermore. Amen. Psalm 126. Psalm 126. It says, the song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves 
with him. Now, while this psalm does not specify which particular restoration of Israel is being celebrated, this psalm and the one immediately before it both seem to be post-exilic. So it seems most likely that this is a celebration of their return from the Babylonian exile. And, and the psalm is divided into two stanzas of four Hebrew lines each. And the first line of each stanza shares a common theme. You might have heard it. Verse 1, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. And verse 4, restore our fortunes, O Lord. So verses 1 through 3 look back when the Lord restored they look back in celebration to God's past regathering of his people. And verses 4 through 6 are an anticipation, a, a prayer for further regathering of his people. Now, notice the title of the psalm says it's a song of ascent. The songs of ascent were sung by pilgrims on their way as they ascended Mount Zion on their way to the great feast in Jerusalem. And as they sang, they would remember the many times the Lord had done great things and regathered his people and they were filled with great joy. And we hear that great joy in this first stanza. Verse 1, we must be dreaming. Verse 2, our mouths were filled with laughter and joy. Verse 2, the nations saw and joined in our amazement. The Lord's done great things for them. Verse 3, the summary statement, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. And today as we make our pilgrimage, we remember how the Lord has done great things for us. And there is regathering joy. Chestnut Street, the Lord has done great things for us. We remember these last 83 days, and we remember that the church was never once canceled, only scattered. Because church cannot be canceled. Easter was not canceled. It was simply celebrated in exile. The resurrection was not canceled. The gospel was unhindered. The Holy Spirit was not under a stay-at-home order. And the kingdom was not quarantined. In the last 83 days, we were powerfully reminded that this right here, this right here, this building, this is not the church. That even this large group gathering here, friends, this is not the church. We, the people, are the church. You, the people, participating at home, you are the church. Gathered in a large group or gathered into smaller groups, we are the church. And we dare not worship this large group gathering or this building, nor can our worship of God be dependent upon a large group gathering or a building. Scattered or gathered, we are the church. And this was reinforced to us in our exile over the last 83 days. Over the last 83 days, we've connected with one another in deeper ways. We've checked in on one another with greater frequency. Many have moved from a Sunday-only Christianity to connecting with one another and with God multiple times throughout the week. Technology has expanded the reach of our ministries well beyond the mid-coast of Maine. We regularly have people on a Sunday morning or during the weekday devotionals tuning in from Maine to Maryland to New York State to Texas, to Florida, and beyond. Our technology has enabled those who've never been able to to participate in Sunday school and to come and participate in our prayer meetings. And while our attendance and our giving really should have decreased over the last 83 days, they've actually increased. And now, for the first time in 83 days, we're having a larger group gathering together. Our regathering has begun. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. 
And yet, just as it was for the people of Israel, when there was regathering joy, that joy was not yet complete. We begin regathering now, but friends, we remember there's a greater joy that's yet to come and a greater joy for which we long. Verses 1 through 3 of this psalm, they look backward in celebration. Verses 1 through 4, 4 through 6 look forward in anticipation. We're anticipating and praying for an even greater, more perfect, more full gathering. You see, the first half of the psalm is praise for what God has done. The second half of this psalm is a prayer. Do it again, Lord. Do it all the more. You know, we should remember that when Israel returned from exile in Babylon, it was a gradual process of return. It wasn't just a single event. And many of the deportees or their descendants chose never to return. We just need to talk, though, how amazing it is that there was a return at all. Never had there been an instance like this where it could be say, said of a nation that it was restored after a deportation. Because exiles usually... They just assimilated into the culture and disappeared. Exile was such an effective way of wiping out a people group that it was usually irreversible. But we find in this psalm that the joy of deliverance was true, but still yet there was lament and tragedy in the midst of it. For there were many who had lost their resolve. There are many who had lost the resolve to continue worshiping in exile, such as we see it, saw in Psalm 137, which we looked at in Easter. In Psalm 137, we heard the Babylonian exiles resolve, and they said, we're never going to forget. We're never going to forget Jerusalem. We're never going to forget who we are. We're never going to settle and become content in the exile and just assimilate. Our ultimate joy won't be found in this foreign land. Our joy is found in regathering. But too many. Too many became comfortable at home in Babylon and they never regathered with God's people. The regathering of the returned exiles brought them joy, but that joy was not yet complete and it was not yet full. So verses 4-6 through six are a prayer. Lord, bring in even more. Bring in an even greater regathering. Bring in more. Verse 4 says, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. The Negev was the desert south of Judah, and it contained many wadis, which were the Arabic term for dry riverbeds from intermittent streams. And these wadis were bone dry for about 11 months out of the year. But in the rainy season, these dry stream beds would quickly fill with water and become raging torrents. And this prayer, it says, though it looks dry as a desert now, may many more exiles come flooding in. And may that regathering increase our joy. And notice in verses 5 through 6, where does it begin? It begins in lamentation and it ends in joy. They lament the regathering is not yet full. It's not yet complete. But they anticipate a day when there will be shouts of joy, a great harvest, a final and a perfect regathering. And so it is, church family, that while there might be joy today at the beginning of our regathering, there's also lamentation. Because our joy is not complete. Even as we regather today, we lament that our regathering is not complete and unhindered. Aware of the risks and the government mandates, we regather awkwardly. We're hidden behind masks. We're socially distanced from one another. And so while there's joy in our regathering, there's lamentation that our regathering is not fully complete. 
We are not fully together, still distanced and separated from one another. And even as we regather today, we lament that there are many who are not yet ready and not yet able to regather with us. Uh, They're not ready to regather with a large group or, or in a building such as this because of vulnerability or because of uncertainty. And there are others who are not yet ready to regather because of the current gathering restrictions or government mandates. And we lament their absence. But we also want to assure them it's okay. Everyone will return in their own time and in their own way. But we lament their absence from us. And we pray for the day when the dry wadis fill and the exiles stream back, flooding this place with regathering joy. When the harvester who goes out lamenting comes back singing with joy because of the harvest, because the scattered have been gathered. And even as we begin regathering today, we lament that there are many who have become or are in danger of becoming too comfortable in this exile. Because although there's nothing practically stopping them from returning to some level of involvement in the community, they're in danger of becoming too comfortable of watching from home, too passive in participation, too apathetic about involvement with the people of God. And so even as we might have joy as we start to come together, we lament because there are many who are being assimilated into Babylon. Many who are forgetting their identities. Many who are no longer longing and dreaming of regathering. And Chestnut Street Baptist, as we begin our regathering today, we lament the news from around our nation that as a people, we are unreconciled and divided from one another. The news around the country these last few weeks reminds us of the words of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. It's appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Church, we should lament the racial strife in this country, but even more, we should lament the division that still exists often within Christ's own church. Pastor Mark Vonnegrop, author of Weep With Me, How Lament Opens a Door for Racial Reconciliation, wrote, Lament gives folks on various perspectives of the whole racial issue a common meeting place to meet with one another and essentially say, I don't know what to say. I don't know if what I'm saying is even right, but here's what I know. I weep with you and I hurt with you. Let's lament together that this problem exists in our culture and that there's a misunderstanding between us. Church, even if we don't know what to say or how to solve the problem that faces America, We can lament, and we can lament with the culture of the deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor, individuals all created in the image of God. We can lament that as a church, that 11 a.m. Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour in Christian America. And we can pray and work for a regathering. A regathering and a reconciliation of people from every nation, tribe, and tongue to come together and to worship before God. Because we know that one day this is the vision that we find in Revelation chapter 7. In Revelation chapter 7, we find that one day this will come to pass. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb. Friends, every nation, 
every tribe, every people, every language gathered together and worshiping before the throne, a regathering of all peoples. And we lament that that has not yet happened. And we pray and we work for that reality. It will never come to pass under our own power, but we work for glimmers of what will one day be glimpses of that final regathering, the first fruits of the coming harvest. And Chestnut Street Baptist, even as we might begin to regather in joy today, we're reminded that there is still much work to do because we lament that many in this community do not yet know the name of Jesus Christ. We lament our own apathy to evangelize. We lament the many who are hopeless right now in the darkness without Christ. We lament the many who remain so far off right now from Christ's body and from the good news of salvation. Our joy cannot and it will not be complete until there is a regathering, until the rain pours down and this place is flooded with men and women and children coming in and coming to Christ. Until we weeping sowers have run into the fields and God has used us to bring back a harvest of joy, a regathering of men and women and children to himself, reconciled through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Church, the regathering has begun, so there is joy, but the regathering has a long way to go. And so we lament and we labor until our joy and Christ's joy is complete. And church, while you might experience regathering joy today, are you willing to lament and to labor for an even greater and an even more joyful regathering? To lament the absence of so many and to labor in the gospel for their regathering to Christ and to His church. And church, It's been 97 days, 97 days since we celebrated this meal here, since we came together and celebrated a meal that fills us with both joy and lament. The Lord's Supper fills us with joy because we remember what Christ has done, that his death and his resurrection, he has reconciled and he has regathered us to himself, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his great love. And friends, as we come to the table, we also lament. We lament that there are not more here at the table with us. We lament that the regathering, that Christ's ministry of reconciliation is not yet complete. And we pray for and we labor for and we long for that day when Christ returns and the regathering is complete. That day when people from every tribe and tongue and nation and language come to the eternal wedding feast of the Lamb. This meal is a reminder of the joy of our regathering, but also nurtures within us a longing for the final and the eternal regathering. When those who have gone out weeping, bearing the seed of the gospel sowing, will come to their eternal home with shouts of joy, bringing in with them a gospel harvest of men and women and children from every tribe and tongue and nation. Church, on this day and on these days, let your joy overflow. But so let your lament overflow. And let us together commit ourselves to the gospel and to labor that we might share in the joy of the regathering, the gospel harvest of Christ.
as we prepare to share the Lord's Supper together. We remember that the Lord's Supper is a communal meal. It's meant to be eaten together. But in these extraordinary times, we invite those of you who are participating from home, join us. Because we believe that you too are a real part of this community. And if you were able, we know that you would be here with us. And if that's true of you, then go right now for yourself and for your family. Get some bread and some juice. Prepare to share. And join with us as we share together in the Lord's Supper. And as we do, if the elders who are serving would come forward and let's prepare. And let's begin with prayer. Father, our joy is not complete because your joy is not complete. Because there is still a regathering to come. There is still work to be done. And so, Father, we pray that this meal would strengthen and feed us, that we might be about your work, your mission, your gospel harvest, that lamenting the incompleteness of this gathering, Lord, that you might strengthen us to go that the joy might increase, that the regathering might increase, that your gospel might go forth, that this world might be reached, and that lives might be changed. So feed us now, Father. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.